Hello, 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 and welcome to the Kingston Curator here on CFRC 101.9 FM. The Curator is your weekly arts and culture news program, bringing you the latest and most intriguing in local creative pursuits. My name is Lauren Tucker, and I am very happy to be your host, teaming up with our outreach coordinator, Mary McKetty. On this program, we feature arts headlines, interviews, reviews, and more, including a sprinkle of world arts news, and of course, our live music calendar all throughout the summer. This week, we're coming to you with a multitude of wonderful conversations across a stretch of creative disciplines. Stay tuned throughout the hour as we chat with Spring Reverb performers Nick from local band The Wilderness and local singer-songwriter Greg McPherson to bring you a retrospective of this past weekend's festival. After that, stay tuned for an interview with Rainy Toshid, co-director and curator of the TriArt Gallery, about their ongoing exhibition, Flourish. For upcoming events, we were lucky to have the artistic director of the Calliope Collective and lead creator of Hydra, the Spirit of Water, Trisha Knowles, as well as Jordan Richards and Dan Simpson, co-hosts of the Screening Room's 24-hour Trash Cinema Telethon. As always, we'll be bringing you these conversations plus your live music calendar, but first things first, your headlines for the week. The Festival of Live Digital Arts continues tonight and runs until Saturday the 10th. The focus of this year's festival is artists with disabilities and the importance of inclusivity and features dance performances, film screenings, performance art, and a free family silent disco event on June 10th with live ASL interpretation. Tickets for other single events are pay what you wish starting at $10 to $20 and full festival passes are $100. Tickets and passes as well as a full events calendar and more information on accessibility and accommodations are available at folda.ca. The Art of Community Tet Tuesday exhibition is open now until the 11th at the Tet Center for Creativity and Learning. This exhibition is a curated collection of works from artists who participated in the Tet Tuesday program throughout the year and showcases many mediums and styles of pieces from local artists. You can continue to visit for free through the end of the exhibition from 9.30 to 5 p.m. daily. For more information, check out tetcenter.org events. The Kingston Frontenac Public Library has partnered with Joe's Mill to bring their lending library to Rideau Heights Branch every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. from now through December. With help from a grant from the Ontario Trillium Foundation, this new borrowing program aims to help bring music home without the need to travel downtown. A Joe's Mill membership is required to borrow an instrument, which includes some documentation and a $15 service fee. However, there is no cost to borrow an instrument, and the lending period is that of 28 days. For more information on the program, check out calendar.kfpl.ca or for more on Joe's Mill, visit joesmill.org. This Friday and Saturday, June 9th and 10th, head over to the Tet Center Rehearsal Hall for the 10th Annual Korean Film Festival Canada in Kingston. This year, the festival will be presenting three films, Peppermint Candy by Lee Chang Dong, Unidentified by Ju Chun, and Comfort by Emmanuel Moonchil Park. Additionally, the festival will be hosting an opening roundtable on June 9th from 5.30 to 6.30 to provide a discussion platform and insights to the world of Korean cinema. For a full list of events and tickets, check out koreanfilm.ca. Spring Reverb hit Kingston this past weekend featuring so many awesome shows from over 100 performers in the downtown. CFRC was pleased to be live on the scene at many of these shows, chatting with performers and audience members alike as we enjoyed the weekend together. Even though this festival has wrapped itself to a close, we have two retrospective interviews for you this week. First, I was able to catch Greg McPherson after his Saturday show at Musiki Cafe to touch base and look forward to the rest of the summer. 
Listeners, we're here with Greg McPherson, fresh off of his gig here at Spring Reverb at Musiki. How are you feeling right after the show? Yeah, I feel great. Yeah, it's a really uh, nice audience. Beautiful day. I played outside. Can't complain. It's really great. Yeah. Great Spring Reverb so far. It's been really fun and yeah, I'm really glad to be here. Do you have any plans to catch any more acts coming up this weekend? You know, I heard there's some sort of a mixer with that Spearhead yeah. beer. Yeah. And I live pretty close to Spearhead Brewery, so I think I'm going to try to figure that out. Yeah. yeah. My, my next step after right now is to go there. Awesome. Yeah. And so we saw like a couple of cool opening acts prior to yeah. you today. What's it like to kind of be sharing this kind of intimate venue with a lot of songwriters that like, were you accustomed to them beforehand or was this your first time playing with them? First time. Yeah, no, I hadn't heard any of them. And um, the person who played just prior to me, Evan, uh, was super talented. Mm -hmm. His voice is just like magical. So yeah, it's encouraging, you know, it's nice to come to a new city. I just moved here and uh, just be like my first sort of introduction to the local music scene to be uh, seeing something really interesting. It's great. It was yeah. really, it was a nice, it was a nice afternoon. So yeah, I'm glad to be here. For sure. And are you looking at this as maybe a sort of kickoff for the warmer weather now? Or <laughs> are there any plans for upcoming gigs that you can let us know about? You know, I have some gigs, but they're out West. So All I have right. nothing booked locally. And yeah, I'm just uh, kind of parachuted into Kingston without any real plans. I have some, some touring that I'm looking forward to doing pretty soon announcing, but um, yeah, I have to book something else local now that I've got my foot in the water. It feels like, feels great. So I'll be, I'll be playing again soon. For sure. That's awesome to hear. And we'll keep an eye on the touring. And one last question I had, I was curious about when you talk about, okay, it's Saturday night or folks are going into Saturday night and you're building your set list. Does knowing what folks are looking forward to for the weekend change the way that you bring certain songs to the gig? Yeah, totally. I, I try not to write a set list if I can. I just okay. write a list of songs and... And sometimes I'll play stuff that's not actually on the list. It's just yeah. uh, I like to feel out the crowd a little bit and just play what I think might. It's like being, like like DJing a set, right? You know? Yeah, for sure. Create a an atmosphere and take people on a bit of a journey. So this I think it was good. Yeah, today yeah. was great. Oh, people it was a great were really gig. listening and just. Uh, I was surprised at how quiet and nice everybody here is so far. For sure. Well, I think that's a great note to end off on. Thanks so much for your time, Greg. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much. Greg wasn't our only returning Spring Reverb guest to the curator, though. Guitarist, saxophone player, and vocalist of the Wilderness Nick stopped by to CFRC for a conversation with Mary McKetty about the festival and what's to come next. Stay tuned afterwards, though, because Mary's also got your live music calendar for the week and an interview with Triart Gallery director Rainey about the ongoing exhibition, Flourish. Hello to everyone here on CFRC 101.9 FM tuning into this week's episode of Kingston Curator with Lauren Tucker and myself, Mary McKetty. This week, we're bringing you interviews from all over the Kingston art scene. For my first interview this week, I've got a Spring Reverb recap coming to you from one of the festival's headliners, The Wilderness. Although they need no introduction, I've still got one prepared. The Wilderness is a local indie rock sextet that brings you a massive and mighty sound to every show they put on. They've got many singles, a self-released EP, a popular album titled Until Tomorrow, and over 400 live shows across Canada and the US to their name. Lauren and I were lucky enough to catch them perform for Spring Reverb this past Saturday, and today, Nick Lennox from The Wilderness sits down with me to talk about their stellar show. Nick, thank you so much for being here with me today. So today I'm with Nick from The Wilderness. Thank you so much for coming 
coming in to talk. So I wanted to begin by talking about Spring Reverb. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask to start off, uh, how did the wilderness get involved with Spring Reverb this year? Uh, so we've played Spring Reverb in the past. We were part of it during its first year, last year, uh, and the sort of focus of the festival, from my understanding, is twofold. One is to bring in a lot of music infrastructure to Kingston, and the other is to highlight a lot of local acts. So we've been working our butts off here for some time, and uh, we're lucky enough to know the folks in KPP who organized it, and they had us out for a big show last year, which went really well. So uh, we went for round two this year, and yeah. it worked out great. That's so, and it worked out really well. I got, I was lucky enough to catch a show, and oh, that was spectacular, spectacular. And um, yeah, for sure, I can imagine that there's a lot of behind the scenes um, work that people don't really see going into that. So credits to KPP concerts and absolutely um, you for doing this as well. Definitely noteworthy. Okay, so um, talking about your performance specifically. Um, mm -hmm. Like I mentioned, was able to attend with lots of other people who were there, really enjoyed your show, and um, you guys performed a few new songs, and we were just talking about that. Would you want to kind of get into those songs in more detail, like the process of um, those songs, have they been released yet, those sorts of things? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we in fact played nine new songs at this show. We played more new songs than old songs, which... Uh, I hope was okay with people, I really do, because we're really quite proud of them. We've been writing a new record for some time now. I suppose we technically started back in 2020 in the depths of the COVID lockdown, and none of us had any idea what to do because uh, we were all very isolated from one another. But most recently, we uh, we had a studio space on Howe Island, which was just a big old house that we had rented, and we had turned into like a rehearsal space, a space to write demos, a place to go write. And uh, over the course of about six months, we wrote like 35 songs. Uh, we have a boatload of them in this Dropbox that uh, are, you know, half-baked and about 10 of them that are really good. So, <laughs> so we stuck to the ones that uh, really, really worked out. And yeah, we road tested them at the show on Saturday. And I feel very privileged and very lucky because it looked like they hit really, really hard. It looked like people dug them. It looked like people were digging the new direction that we're taking things in. And uh, it felt really reassuring to be playing some of that material here at home and to have people resonate with it so uh yeah we do have a lot of new material we're actually going to go to the studio and cut it next week we're going up to ottawa to record with a, a fellow named steve foley who has done work for us before he engineered christina and also like about half of our seminary road ep which came out back in 2018 mm. uh we've worked with him a bunch and we're fired up about it we're, we're quite fired up about all these new songs yeah, it's so exciting, um, especially like getting to see the crowd's reaction from performing so many new songs totally. and like they were wild like it was so insane to see everybody and like with all the lights and the smoke shows just like people's reactions <laughs> to how all the so like how all the songs went that was just amazing to watch and um, it's very exciting the fact that you're um, up and coming with all of these new songs um, ready to release like that's so cool. Um, thanks for sharing that with me. Of course. Um, Another uh, detail about the performance, um, you guys also shared the stage with uh, the Backsteps, Hotel Mira, and New Friends, so yeah. I wanted to know what you guys thought about their performances as well. Well, I mean, for me, I'm always uh, is just about as excited to go to shows as I am to play shows, and that's one of the joys of being a working musician for me, is that I get to see a lot of music. The Backsteps, I've seen them before, and uh, they've been doing nothing but practicing as far as I can tell because they sounded really good. Um, I know that they've been like cutting their teeth on the road, playing in the States, doing all this stuff, uh, so that was really sweet to have some more locals on the bill. 
I had not heard Hotel Mira or New Friends before the show, and I purposefully kept myself from listening to their music because I wanted to take it in, like, in the moment. You know, I mm-hmm. wanted that magic of the live performance. I wanted them to, like, sell me on it a little mm-hmm. bit, and they did. Um, I really, really especially loved Hotel Mira's set. I loved their songwriting. I thought their energy was fantastic. I thought their front person, like, had a really, really good command of the stage. And New Friends was, like, more of, like, a dancey kind of thing. And, and unfortunately for me, I, like, that was right before our set. So I've, I'm off in a corner doing, like, vocal warm-ups and True. stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> doing stretches and all that stuff so that I'm good for the stage. But everything I heard I liked. And they looked like they had the crowd fired right up. So I have nothing but respect for everybody on that bill. It was a great time. Oh, yeah. They were amazing. Especially, like, um, what you're saying about Hotel Mira, for sure. Like, I was talking with uh, other people at the station. We were all like, yeah. oh, my God, the frontman. He was spectacular. Like. He just ate that up. Totally. <laughs> pretty much. And um, the other bands as well, the Backsteps. Um, mm-hmm. I was also talking with people at the station about them and, like, the fact that um, one of the singers, he's um, performing vocals and, like, playing bass at the same time. Totally. That is very difficult to do. So that yeah. was sick. That was sick to watch. And New Friends definitely got the crowd fired up. Like, the frontman definitely knew how to, like, take us all out and, like, get us to move around with him. Like, it was really cool. 100%. So um, I know talking about your going back to your show again right. um we were just talking about um the different aspects of your shows you just mm-hmm. included nine um nine new songs and i know that personally i enjoyed like listening to all of it and i loved like the um the effort that you guys put into your show the yeah. lights the smoke boxes like everything that was yeah. put out there when he got up like in the middle of the crowd on that table like that was yeah. so cool that was so so cool to watch so those were kind of my favorite parts of watching your show as well yeah. as the music of course so i wanted to know like what were your guys's favorite part of the show i well i live for like little moments i'll comment on on what you're saying in so much as that we do put a lot of effort into what we do you know um i think all of us have since a young age like wanted to do music for a living and that's what sort of brought the band together we I think when we were younger, we all wanted to be rock stars. Now we just want to pay our rent. But like, (laughs) (laughs) but but still like, you know, this was a bigger show. It was a hometown show. So we're like, we're pulling out all the stops. You know, we're getting like a lighting technician. We're going to get these smoke things from Long and McQuaid, right? Mm -hmm. We're like, let's put on a friggin' show. Let's go explore. Let's go like make music for people and with people, right? And, and that's what I love about live music is this connection with people. Again, seeing people resonate with new songs, sharing moments with, with your bandmates, with, with people who know your music uh, is really important to me. And so when, when you ask me what my favorite part of the show was, I think I live for moments. And, and my, my two favorite moments in, in that show, uh, one is, is, like, is actually just this one note. <laughs> At the, the last song of, of the night, we played a cover of When You Were Young by The Killers. And there's this one like screaming high note that I get to play with the guitar player that just makes me so happy um, because it just feels good to play. But really the the biggest highlight uh, has to do with one of these new songs we played a tune uh that we had never played before some of these new ones we have like played in other contexts we just got back from tour in labrador we debuted a bunch of stuff there Uh, but we played this song that we've never played before and that we like literally just finished writing like a week ago called strangers i used to love and jonas wrote it about the fact that he's from england and when he goes back home it's just as even anybody from Ontario moving to a different university town might experience, right? Like you, you go back, you talk with old friends and it's like, what's going on? I, I don't know these people anymore, right? Um, and there was a line in this song that made people in the crowd visibly gasp. <laughs> and it was so funny. But it reads, it's something along the lines of like, uh, life has been good, nothing too crazy. My sister got married, she's having a baby. My mom's doing well, my dad hates me. Um, 
how have you been doing? It's so good to see you or something like that. And I watched like several people just go like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I was one of those people. And, um, you know, that was, that was a fun moment. I, <laughs> I, I'm glad this stuff hits home and I'm sorry to everybody who has had a terrible dad. Um, <laughs> so moments of connection, little tiny moments. Those are my favorite parts of the show. Especially I can imagine like in Kingston, like being based in here when you watch people like from this town, like take in and absorb your music in that way. And like the whole yeah. experience of the show must be like very meaningful to like see that from them. Yeah, it felt special. I, I actually, if, if it's not too much, I'll give you one tiny more highlight. Yeah, I, I, there, there's a song that's going to be on this record that I wrote uh, that's called The Arboretum. And uh, I took a vocal lesson a little while ago with... Uh, Savannah Shea, who I, I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know. She's phenomenal. She's a brilliant singer-songwriter, and she's also a good friend of mine. And uh, she's like, what are your goals? I'm like, I just want to be able to sing my own songs. And uh, <laughs> so she's like, well, show me some. And I showed her this tune, the Arboretum, and I was like, I don't know what's ever going to happen with this tune. And I sang it at a couple of open mics thinking nothing was going to happen. And then the band took it on, and before the show, Savannah came up to me. She's like, yo, are you going to play your tree song? I'm like, you're right, I'm going to play the tree song. <laughs> and, and that made me really happy. So, yeah. Little moments of connection with the community. True yeah. highlights. Yeah, for sure. Especially like that's so cool that you're gonna be able to get your own song featured like on um, an album. That's yeah, it's amazing. it's a joy. It's a privilege. And and I owe my bandmates a lot for like pushing me to write. And I owe people like Savannah here in the community for for pushing me to do that. So I wouldn't have been able to have that song exist at all if not for like the Kingston Collective, really. Yeah, exactly. And the people in this community and um like in the music scene here are so like it's so deeply impactful. I, I would agree. Yeah, for sure. So to go off of like talk about um, new releases and yeah. um, and shows and performances, um, I know that you are heading out on tour in July. So would you kind of want to get into um, where people can catch you live next? Yeah. So we just have a few summer shows. Actually, we're largely focusing on recording this record. Uh, keep your eyes peeled in the fall for a longer tour if you're you know somewhere out west or whatnot. But uh, if you're around the southern Ontario scene. The next show that we have, we just announced one in Toronto at the legendary Horseshoe Tavern. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're going to be there on July 6th. We are close to home in Bath, Ontario at the McKinnon Brothers Grandstand, opening for the Trues on July 15th. And a week after that, we are on our new favorite island, Howe Island, uh, <laughs> playing Howe Island Rock in the Rock with a group called My Son the Hurricane, who are phenomenal and who have way more horn players than us. So uh, really looking forward to that one. That one's July 22nd. All right. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate that you came in, and I really hope that everyone um, checks out your new album. Please stay tuned for that. And um, also catches you in July, July 22nd on Howe Island. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much again to Nick Lennox from The Wilderness for stopping by the station. If you're looking to hear more from The Wilderness, you can listen to the music on apple music and spotify keep up to date on social media at the wilderness kingston on instagram and at the wilderness on facebook and visit their website at thewildernessband.com if you're interested in a sneak preview of new songs from the wilderness you can check out their patreon at patreon.com slash the wilderness and that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash the wilderness the first three tiers are pay what you can and all proceeds go to their new album recording process like Nick mentioned, you can catch The Wilderness on tour this July in Toronto, Bath, and on Howe Island for the Rock and the Rock Music Festival. More details about the Rock and the Rock Music Festival are available online at howeislandrockintherock.com, and that's H-O-W-E, Island, R-O-C-K-I-N, therock.com. Now stay tuned because I've got your live music lineup coming up next.
For today's live music lineup, I'll be headlining some performances you can catch starting tonight, June 9th, until Sunday, June 11th, from amazing artists like Bent Neck and the Joints, Luscious, Sweet Machete, Mad Wet Sea, Dead Root Revival, and Jennifer Brandt. Stay tuned because you don't want to miss these details. To kick off your weekend, Bent Neck and the Joints headline for Separator and Ducks in the Attic tonight, June 9th, from 8 to 11.30 p.m. at The Mansion, located at 506 Princess Street. Coming down from Hamilton, Bent Neck and the Joints are bringing alternative indie vibes to match Whitby-based indie band Separator and your local alt-rock favorites, Ducks in the Attic. You can get your tickets online for around $11 at eventbrite.ca, and that's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot C-A. Tomorrow, June 10th is set to be jam-packed with killer performances from local legends. To start off, Dead Root Revival is live from 8 to 11 p.m. at the Standeasy in the Royal Canadian Horse Artillery Club, located at 193 Ontario Street. Come join Tom Savage, Tony Silvestri, Bonds Bowering, and Richard Peach as they bring in the spirit of Delta Blues with gritty farmhouse sounds and guitar-driven classic rock. Tickets are available for around $17 in advance at eventbrite.com, and that's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot com, or for $20 at the door. Next up, Luscious headlines with special guests Hallowood and Melancholy Caravan starting at 8.30pm at the Blue Martini, located at 178 Ontario Street. If you're looking for a classic rock, pop, and blondie-inspired sensation, look no further than Luscious, who are among the chart-topping favorites here in Kingston. Joining them are hard rock trio Hallowood and the sometimes rock but always roll band Melancholy Caravan. Tickets are available online for $7 at eventbrite.com, and that's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot com. Your final Saturday night feature comes from Sweet Machete and Mad Wet Sea, who open for Dally Van Gogh and Scarecrows starting at 8pm at The Mansion, located at 506 Princess Street. Dally Van Gogh are an East Coast Music award-winning hard rock band, headlining with Ottawa-based hard rock metal band Scarecrows. Dungeon Rock Sensation Sweet Massetti and hard rock metal band Mad Wet Sea join them on stage, representing Kingston's hard rock scene. More information about tickets and prices is to be determined, so head over to kingstonlive.ca for more information. Your last live music lineup comes from the Lodgepole Arts Alliance, who present Jennifer Brandt for the Indigenous Artist Showcase from 3 to 5 p.m. at Hotel Wolf Island, located at 1237 County Road 96. Jennifer is an educator, artist, and farmer, whose work reflects her connection to her culture and the people and places around her. Her show is free to attend, and more information is available at hotelwolfisland.com events. For my next interview this week, Rainy Talshid, the co-director and curator of TriArt Gallery, stops by the station to discuss Flourish, a visual art show all about flowers that features a multi-generational group of artists who each display the enduring artistic appeal of flowers through a variety of unique mediums. Thank you so much, Rainy, for coming in today. I really appreciate it. So I wanted to begin by asking if you could tell our listeners a little bit about Flourish and kind of how that exhibit came to be. We were looking for something seasonal, primarily. We really wanted, you know, after, after a long winter, so much snow people were looking for shades of green and things that are joyful and colorful and uh, so we were we were speaking with uh, Marnie McDermott who is one of the artists in the show and she's the one who gathered this group of artists together and this is the concept that they came up with Marnie's work is is very botanical all of her all of her imagery is based on you know flowers and and plants real or imagined we were really happy to let her sort of take the reins on this and and gather some artists together to create a show that was basically celebrating and exploring botanical themes so not not just flowers but also plants and um, so 
she gathered the artists and um, and then we've we've worked with her to to curate this exhibition so there are five artists they are Marnie McDermott who is working in ceramics and then there's uh, Julie Davidson Smith who has two acrylic pieces in the show and one encaustic piece we have Margaret Hughes who is working with chalk pastels Jill Glatt who is working with um, she works with dyes that are made from local plants and herbs mm -hmm. and then so she's printmaking with those onto fabric and then there's Helen Humphreys who's doing some watercolor and ink okay. studies their their plant studies yeah that's that's really interesting especially on the note of the variety of artists and the different mediums that they use it must be really nice to have such like a um, such a variety for people to be able to look at especially since coming out of winter it's you know it's not the best time sometimes so to be able to be introduced to like oh it's spring and this is like the kind of theme and concept that we're going with and you're able to explore it in so many different avenues with so many different kinds of people that must be really nice to have to show people yeah we wanted something joyful mm -hmm. you know and and i think that's that uh, Marnie and her group have uh, have achieved that with flourish and um, one thing also is we've um, we've included LSP designs so LSP is is Leanne Parcher and she has a she has a, a, a flower shop and, uh, and so she's been providing the live arrangements that are in the gallery and she's she's had a couple of her gorgeous arrangements too so there's also you know the living component so we've got art on the walls that are floral in nature, and then we also have these, uh, these big flower arrangements. And as well, we always have a component in our shows. Um, on our back wall, we have a, a projection screen, and so there's always a video component. So in this case, it's um, some images of each of the artists in studio when they're, you know, going through the process of making their artworks, and some quotes by them about sort of how they've approached the theme. Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect as well. Yeah, and that, I feel like that makes it more personalized too for people to walk through the exhibit, get to see the artists and like hear from them in, to some extent. That must be um, nice to mm -hmm. have as well. Yeah, it's nice to have that, you know, when you have something like projection, whether it's a, in video form or if it's just still imagery, it just adds this this extra light and um, and movement to the show. It's not as static. So this, the gallery itself is quite small, but it's um, but it's also nice and intimate. It's you know the the walls are um, acoustic bamboo panels, so that adds sort of like a a warmth to the space. There's not just a white wall, and um, the lights are the lights are bright enough on the work, but fairly dim otherwise. So that's it's it's a little bit more like a living room. Okay. So it um, it sort of allows you to come in and, and view the work and contemplate it, and um, you know get up close and, and personal with the work in a, in a space that that feels really cozy. Mm -hmm. Which is, um, you don't really get that opportunity sometimes in bigger galleries. They're amazing to look at, and they're very awe-inspiring, but to be able to take in such amazing art in such a like cozy location, that definitely adds to the experience, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing all this with me. It was really interesting. Speaking of interesting, I also thought it was um, noteworthy that your gallery includes artists from different generations and I wanted to know um, we just talked a bit about the process of how the gallery was formed conceptualized and created um, but what was the idea I guess behind um, having different generations of artists I think that was more um, I would say again um, 
Marnie's concept and just inviting these different artists. And when you come in and take a look at the work, it's always interesting to see the approach because it kind of ranges from very abstract to um, very realistic. And there's, there's just different approaches to, to the subject matter. But they're all, they all have a very similar feeling and they, and they work with each other really well. There's, there's a real through line that you can see. All these different generations of women are approaching a subject and the outcome, you don't really feel their ages. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, just, you just feel the, the focus and the celebration and the, the luminosity of their work. Mm-hmm. In the TriArt Gallery, we've, we've had, you know, several different shows. This is the first one where we're actually calling it the TriArt Gallery. So we've just gone through a rebranding. Okay. It used to be called the Art Noise Gallery because it was in art noise but it has always been a gallery that's specifically geared towards showcasing the work that is created with materials that are produced by tri-art manufacturing so we make acrylic paints we make oil paints we make watercolors we we make all sorts of different things and and we're a local paint company so this gallery is specifically our showcase okay so so that's why we we wanted to rebrand it so that it can sort of more clearly reflect sort of the intent of the gallery. Um, And we do try to show as much local work as possible because this is our community. Exactly. You know, so they feed us, we feed them. It's a a very symbiotic relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever generation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that is is very interesting since you were just talking about how when you go into the gallery, even though there are artists of different generations who use different kinds of mediums to express this theme, when you walk in, being able to, even though it's all different, made by different people, to have them all kind of connect just because of the feeling that those um, their artworks provide you, that is, like, that is surreal. <laughs> and also talking about um, the importance of local, um, the fact that this is your um, first gallery using the name Tri Art Gallery, that is something very important, very significant, and that is a milestone too. So um, on that note, I did want to ask, um, it does sound like Flourish, um, you've put on galleries, of course, before, but um, is Flourish something similar to the galleries that you've done before? Or is it a little different because um, this is the new name that you're using now? Well, we, the gallery itself has a few shows that we repeat. For example, um, we do the show of Smalls. I think we've done six of them so far, and it's a, it's a show where, where all the artwork has to be a certain size or smaller, and that's usually in the you know two months prior to Christmas. And we've had up to, I believe, 30 artists that are exhibiting at the same time. So doing a show like that is, is a lot of fun because mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of different work and um, usually we're starting with about 150 to 300 pieces at a time. Wow. But they're all small, so you can fit a lot of them in the gallery. That's so that's, true. that's great. Um, so that's a, sh- that's a show that is recurring. We do solo shows, group shows. We're starting to structure our shows a little bit more differently than we did in the Art Noise Gallery. There's a few shows that we have coming up. I can't say what they are right now, but mm-hmm. they are going to be um, of a theme. And we're going to hopefully have several series of them, you know, in the years to come. And we've also started a micro-residency program where an artist will come and work with TriArt products and other products that are available at ArtNoise sort of through the gallery program. And we, um, we will work with that artist to incorporate new materials and new methods into their art practice. Okay. So that's, um, 
that's something that's going to be recurring. We've done one so far, and um, and it was really a lot of fun to do. So there's there's all sorts of possibilities for things in the gallery, um, and not all of these need to be just a visual artwork. So we encourage anybody who's you know using tri art materials to submit work to the gallery. It can be two dimensional, it can be three dimensional, it can have media components. It can be an installation. We don't really have a ceiling for the types of work that that can be offered there. It just there just needs to be a tri art component mm -hmm. because this is our showcase. No, so, exactly. So yeah, um, so a lot of different styles of exhibitions. I guess to more specifically answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Thank you. Just for um, folks listening, do you have any contacts I could go to? Yeah, it just go to the website and there is a submission page okay. and then all the criteria is outlined there. We don't do that many shows in, in the year but uh, but we're we're always open to to seeing what work is out there. Yeah of course. Yeah and, and it doesn't have to just be local it can be anyone who's using our products <laughs> whether it's you know in Kingston or in Canada or you know further afield that's mm -hmm. that's fine too. Which um, it's nice to receive um, many submissions from people within the community, but also people who use your products since it's a local company, being able to feature anyone really, but mm -hmm. that would be a great feature to have. So um, there are two more questions I have for you. Um, I wanted to know um, where and when um, our listeners and anyone who's interested can um, see Flourish. At any time that the store is open, the gallery is open, unless we're between shows. So usually there's a, there's a buffer period of about um, three to five days between shows where the gallery is closed, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, those dates are all up on the website. Okay, perfect. Thank you for sharing that. On the note of new shows, you just mentioned that there are some up and coming things you can't mention, but I did see on your website that there is a show that has been um, put online and it's called A Natural Landscape. So what can um, people look forward to um, after Flourish has um, finished its exhibition? Okay, so Unnatural Landscapes is a solo show by local artist Jane Derby and she is doing some great stuff. Um, her pieces are primarily oil paint, but she's also doing some very eclectic sculptural um, pieces that are, that are metal on metal. So she's painting on metal with her oil paints, but then there's also just some some pieces that are that are unpainted. They're they're more sculptural in nature, but they are still wall pieces. I was just at her studio a couple of days ago and uh, looking through the work. It's I'm not going to say botanical based, but it is very landscape based. But these are landscapes that that have this sort of more industrial feel to them because they are painted on metal and they're they're fairly abstract in nature not all of them but uh, but they are in, in some of some cases I was going to say graphic or decorative but uh, it's it's cool work it's going to be a show that's going to be in the gallery itself and probably flow out into the adjacent space a little bit more to accommodate some of the work um, and that is going to be starting on June 22nd and I don't know when it runs until sometime in July Check the website. Just look at the website. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> okay, that sounds really interesting. Um, I don't know. I've never heard of um, like metal used with um, oil paint, so that's gonna be something really nice to feature, especially with like a landscape. That's that sounds like a very interesting concept that she's got going. Thank you so much for coming in today, Rini. Great. Thank you. This was fun. This is really fun. Thank you so much again to Rini Toshid from the Tri Art Gallery for coming here to talk about its latest show, Flourish. Like Rini mentioned, you can check out the Flourish show at the Tri Art Gallery, which is located inside of Art Noise at 290 Princess Street during Art Noise's hours of operation from now until June 17th. 
Be sure to visit tryartgallery.ca slash flourish, and that's T-R-I-A-R-T gallery.ca slash flourish for more information about this show. Before heading out, don't forget to visit shop.artnoise.ca to check their business hours. To stay up to date with the TriArt Gallery, be sure to check out their Instagram at triart.gallery and Facebook at triartgallery. Now don't touch that dial because Lauren talks with Trisha from the Calliope Collective up next. Thanks so much, Mary. Coming up to the end of the hour, I've got two upcoming events to share and conversations to go along with it. Hydra, the Spirit of Water is an upcoming multi-art performance piece by the local Calliope Collective, and it will be playing June 16th and 17th on site at the Kingston Mills. Featuring circus art, music, and giant puppets, these floating art installations will explore the relationship between the community and the water in what is sure to be an amazing evening. Here's Artistic Director Trisha Knowles at CFRC, giving us a behind-the-scenes look on the piece. We are here with Trisha Knowles, Artistic Director of the Calliope Collective and lead creator of the upcoming show, Hydra, the Spirit of Water. How are you doing today? I'm so incredibly good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Excited to have you here and excited about the upcoming show. Uh, We're really excited to feature information about it on the station here. But first, for our listeners who may not be as familiar with you folks, can you walk Mm -hmm. us through what Calliope is and what you folks do? Sure. Uh, We've been producing shows in underutilized spaces, predominantly Doug Fleur Park uh, okay. in Kingston for almost seven years now. Oh my goodness. Uh, our first show was around uh, midwinter, so a winter solstice celebration. And we, we actually got together, Josh Lyon and I got together to discuss doing a show on water. And we couldn't get funding for it right out of the gate. So I thought, well, we have to build a portfolio and we have to, like, let's do some community events that encourage people to re-examine and explore their connection with the earth and with the land and with the cycles and right. of the seasons. And I said, well, I've always wanted to tell this old story between Holly and Oak told with giant puppets. And the folks that we were working with at the time all got really excited about that. And so... We just started producing these beautiful community events that included uh, circus and puppetry and contemporary dance and theater and live music. And it was really a fusion of all these artistic disciplines coming together. And we would workshop different uh, elements of the show in different disciplines. And then it would all come together in the end into one performance. Mm So I think with Hydra, we've kept that formula. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're animating an underutilized site-specific location, this time out at Kingston Mills. Uh, But we have so many artists contributing and collaborating on pieces that will collectively come together for a show. Mm. So the setting of the Kingston Mills specifically, Mm. did that Mm -hmm. come about with the idea or did that sort of grow out of something else? It grew out of our collective member, Emberly Doherty, suggesting it, who I want to kiss her. She's just such a brilliant artist uh, and visionary in her own right. And she's our... um, I guess, manager of education and community engagement. And we had done a test run, a pilot version, and tested a couple of the big puppets out at Doug Fleur Park. Okay. And they got lost 
against the backdrop. The body of water is just so vast there. And we thought, like, how are we going to do that? The winds are so high. And she just went, you know, I was driving through the Kingston Mills area. What do you think about doing the show out there? And then it, and then we started trying to figure out how to do it there, which is a lot of red tape to cut through with Parks Canada. <laughs> but we got there. We it got happened. the permit. We're we're doing it. Yeah, I can't believe it's actually happening. Actually, it's still a little surreal after all the all the hurdles. But yeah, yeah, that's fantastic that it's finally coming to fruition for you all after this long process. So speaking of. I understand there's all these different kinds of and forms of art. You've got the performance art, visual art aspects all yeah. coming about. So what was the creation and rehearsal process like with all those different mediums in the mix? Some artists we have worked with in the past on other events, and they were commissioned during our research and development year. And then to flesh out the show, we put out a call to artists and asked what their connection to water was mm -hmm. and how they would exemplify that with a performative based large scale work of art that floated. Right. And we got a lot of really cool submissions and a few new artists that we haven't worked with before stepping up to, to create for that, which is really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's been interesting to put the show together based on process. So I think for myself speaking, I can't speak to the other collective members who have led some of our other shows, but the ones that I've been the lead creator for, I think I've really had an image of what I want it to look like at the end and worked my way backwards. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time as an artist that I've really sunk into that process and allowed that to dictate what the show will look like. Okay, so yeah. I don't know that we will actually know exactly what the show will look like, despite all of this planning right. and plotting, until we get on the water for our tech rehearsal. The overarching story of the spirit of water has changed three times in the last couple of months alone, <laughs> because every time an artist comes forth with a shift in what they're producing for the show, it shifts the overarching storyline and presentation right. of the show. So, you know, we had one artist who uh, unfortunately uh, wasn't able to keep going with us, who yeah. had to, it's just they're, they're from out of town. And so they backed out of it and then that shifted everything. And then we had a beautiful somatic um a facilitator step forward and work with us to do these somatic workshops around our connection with water and then working with one of the grandmothers to learn you know traditional water songs so that we can open the show with songs for the waters and really honor the spirit of water that wasn't in the show a year ago right you know? so yeah. it's it's really just kept shifting and like you said like the water it's just like you're just I'm just going with the flow and I can't wait to see how it turns out I mean, our tech run is going to be so exciting for me. Yeah. And then Friday and Saturday night is is just going to be such a spectacle for people. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, giant puppets on water, but also like circus performances. And there's there are barges and there is the largest taiko drum I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my gosh. We're the, it's coming up from the States. Uh, with a performer, uh, Kyoko Ogoda, who does Taiko here in Kingston. 
uh, works with uh, this person in Vermont, and so he's coming up to join her on this oil drum installation for the show, and it's going to be it's going to be a heavy piece, but I think it'll be powerful and just incredibly beautiful. Yeah, that is so like this. There's just so much going on with this piece that I think a lot of folks have maybe never seen before. Like, there's a lot of really unique stuff happening that is so exciting. And as I understand it, there's also some level of community participation elements to this event. Can you walk us through what those are? Sure. Yeah. Um, so Emberly Doherty, as I mentioned, uh, along with Josh and I make up the core member of Calliope and then it's kind of ad hoc, uh, depending on what, uh, the project is after that. So Emberly has taken, uh, this amazing, collection of fabric that was created in a workshop that we did with Jill Glatt, which is indigo dyeing. And she'll have uh, pieces of that for people to come and contribute like their wishes for the water uh, to write out what their connection is so that they can really focus on what that is. Uh, So we really want it to be an immersive experience for people. It's not necessarily uh, as interactive, the show itself, but beforehand, people will be collectively creating this textile art piece. So it'll be this very strange collaborative uh, art piece um, that's coming about. And then there is, her daughter actually is leading a workshop for kids so that they can contribute to this school of fish. We have Swim Drink Fish, who are beautiful environmental partners uh, that we've been working with this whole time to develop the event. And they're going to come out so that there's an educational component as well. And then during the event, there will be opportunity, like I mentioned, the somatic piece with the song for the water. Uh, Eartha will teach people the traditional Algonquin water song. So there'll be an opportunity for that. And then there is this really great moment in the show where we are collectively coming together to help free the spirit of water because she is just trapped by greed and pollution and plastic. And uh, that's going to be a really magical moment in the show, I think. Yeah. If the winds are kind. (laughs) I think that's so interesting, almost having your audience set intention for what they're going to get out of the piece. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that segues really well into kind of a way that I was going to ask to end it off on this high expectant note. So what should audiences really get excited for about this event? And what are maybe you most excited for? One of the things. Oh, my goodness. I know it's like a (laughs) tough decision, it sounds like, because there's a lot of awesome stuff happening but (laughs) well we have an incredible circus troupe north fire circus coming and collaborating with some of our artists including a local aerialist jane kirby who is just one of my favorite local performers and she is the spirit of water and i am so thrilled to see her perform uh so we'll have uh two aerial performances by her and then there's like fire spinning and an led show that's a part of that so i think That's what I'm most excited about as far as little pieces of this show that I think will bring great spectacle. Mm -hmm. But I think what people should be or could feel really excited about is the fact that there is this multi-arts 
collaboration that really happened between professional artists, between community members, between environmental activists, between various communities throughout the province, and, and now this, this gentleman coming from the States. And it's really that collaboration. It's really that moment where community comes together to make big change yeah so yeah. it's 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 not about just sitting and watching a play I, I love doing that but this is there's no dialogue it's not a, a typical theater piece um and so it is about coming in and contributing your energy right to the work I mean, you yeah. can't just come and lay you out can. a picnic blanket or set yeah. up a camp chair and sit there and watch it. That's, I mean, that's totally your prerogative. If that, if that's, you just, yeah, it's a cool show. Yeah. <laughs> you can absolutely do that. But there is opportunity to get a little more invested emotionally in the yeah. show. And I think that that's really special about what we do. Yeah, that sounds absolutely fantastic. It's making me very excited to to come and attend. Um, listeners, Hydra, the Spirit of Water runs Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at 7 p.m. at Kingston Mills. Attendance to this unique multi-art piece we've just heard about is free, but as I understand it, you can donate to the Calliope Collective if you are so inclined. Um, for more information on the show, transportation, artists, and FAQs, visit calliopecollective.com. Uh, Best of luck to you, Trisha, and the rest of the group. Thank you so much. We'll see you there. See you there. Last but certainly not least for this week's edition of the Kingston Curator, Kingston's local independent cinema, The Screening Room, will be hosting their 24-hour Trash Cinema Telethon stream this weekend from June 10th to 11th. With the generosity of moviegoers, the cinema was able to raise over $60,000 to purchase their new projector to replace the broken one. The projector is now up and running in the Roxy Theatre, with a new sound system expected later in the summer. However, the screening room will continue to accept donations through the month of June for those who are inspired to contribute as a way to pay off pandemic debt. As a part of this effort, Dan Simpson of Eyebrow Cinema on YouTube and projectionist Jordan Richards will be hosting this streaming charity event. Here they are with CFRC in advance of this cinematic marathon. Here with us today, we have the co-hosts of the upcoming 24-hour Trash Cinema Telethon of The Screening Room, Jordan Richards, projectionist at The Screening Room, and Dan Simpson, host of Eyebrow Cinema on YouTube. How are you both doing today? Solid. We're good. Yeah, I think we're good. Awesome. Yeah, I hope you're both keeping well in the kind of unusual weather uh, this week. So <laughs> on a more <laughs> on a more positive note, we're coming into this interview with you both on a really great note. The Screening Room Projector Fundraiser has been a big success, and as I understand it, the theater was able to raise over the goal of $60,000 to get the new projector installed, and now you're keeping the momentum going to pay off the pandemic debt. So this is obviously great news, and I wanted to start off by asking you both what you thought about the importance of keeping independent cinema alive in this community. Uh, yeah, I'm. first of all, I think we're all shocked at how effective the campaign has been so quickly. Uh, I know that even as soon as we launched it and we saw the traffic and the support coming in from people, we were all really, really motivated and thankful because it's it's been a really strange time for uh, yeah. movies. Like, I mean, specifically ones like us, like the screening room where uh, it seemed like maybe it was a medium that was going away. Like maybe the movie theaters were going the way of the arcade. There was definitely a period where it just 
didn't seem like something that was going to be viable anymore. And knowing that not only have we really successfully bounced back and attendance has been up pretty dramatically, seeing people rally behind, like seeing the community rally behind the fundraiser so efficiently and so quickly, uh, it's just really put this theater in high spirits. And not that there was necessarily any reason not to be, but knowing, or not necessarily knowing, but having these the uh, support of the community reinforced and sort of vindicated has been incredible. Yeah, and yeah. from the perspective of like a, a patron of the theater and just, you know, it's such a valuable uh, resource for a community to have just access to uh, art and to the cinema. And, you know, I think I sometimes have taken for granted that I get to live in a city that has the screening room where you think about how many cities, not just towns, but full cities don't have an independent cinema. So they are beholden to whatever the multiplex gets. And there's a lot of good stuff you can see in a multiplex, but there's a lot of things that will almost certainly never play at a theater like that. And it's so important then to have a space that is gonna make uh, gonna make space for things that are less attractive to the big theaters, smaller films, independent films, foreign language films. So um, for me, really, it's it's selfishness. I want to be able to see these movies in a theater. So <laughs> a screening room needs to exist. <laughs> yes. And moving on a little bit now to keeping the momentum going and the trash cinema telethon that is upcoming uh, this weekend. Can I just start with asking, where did that idea for this specific fundraiser initially come from? How did that get pitched? Well, we were uh, we were talking, the two of us, with Wendy, who's the uh, owner of the screening room, and uh, just kind of bouncing ideas back and forth, somewhat casually at the time, and talking about the idea of like a fundraising run, like a marathon runner who gets sponsored for different things and, and runs uh, in support of a cause, and thinking, what's the cinematic version of a marathon because it's certainly not actually running we movie yeah. nerds <laughs> as soon as that idea was presented we're like okay what else you got yeah yeah and the film version is like a movie marathon watching you know um a lot of things in one sitting and especially if it's like an endurance thing you're not watching you know the afi's top 100 you're watching kind of low budget trashier uh, exploitation cinema movies that are uh less good than um <laughs> what you might normally go see um, and then that also was a thing of like, okay, well, how would we do that? Would it be a public event? And then thinking the best way would probably be like a live stream. And then that meant if we're doing it online through YouTube, which then made sense for me because of my YouTube channel, Eyebrow Cinema, which has, you know, a following already was a good base to work with. Um, if we're doing it through YouTube, we need to do movies that are in the public domain so we can show them um, legally on the channel and we're not violating anyone's copyright. And then again, through YouTube, we need to make sure we're showing movies that don't violate their, their policy standards in terms of uh, things like violence or sexually explicit content. So once the idea started to percolate, the idea of like, okay, what's the cinematic version of a marathon fundraiser? Uh, every other piece for how to facilitate that kind of narrowed and streamlined what the uh, what what it would be and what it would look like, which uh, eventually resulted in us doing 24 hours of uh, B-movies nonstop. <laughs> It'll be 16 films in that time span, so. Yeah. And oh B is gosh. generous. B, <laughs> you know, the, if we're gonna give them a grade scale, I don't know if it's B, but. Yeah, that's you know. uh, that's so funny. Um, how Can I ask that kind of, fulfills my question i was going to ask you how you made your selections are you able to instead maybe 
preview some of these selections that maybe we can look forward loosely to tuning in or at least to watching you folks react to these selections. Yeah, I think we can we can tease some stuff Just out. Tease a couple. Yeah, well, by the time uh, this this interview is live, we'll have a um, not a full schedule published, but we'll have like the timestamps of when what times of the day the movies are going to be playing and uh, general genre descriptions. Uh, we've got a couple monster films, a mm -hmm. uh, couple zombie films. We have at least one sci-fi epic. Uh, the last movie we're going to show uh, is a crime movie that has a really, really unlikely starring actor. Yes. Oh my Someone gosh. I didn't even realize I'd ever made a film. Yeah. Probably the most famous person that you would see in this, like a, a real cultural icon playing some sort of, you know, Johnny Come Lately hitman. Yeah. And oh he's my gosh. <laughs> and oh my gosh. Saved at the end. So when we're at the peak of our exhaustion, having gone through, you know, almost 24 hours of these horrible films, not leaving, well, leaving this room a little bit, but really just being here. Uh, when we get to the end and that person shows up, it's all the more surreal and it feels like our brains are like breaking in yeah. front of us. Um, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> just to put it, uh, uh, we're really walking the line with this uh, stream. That might be a hint as to who you're uh, the actor. No way. We're what? I'm just listen. I'm just walking the line with the hints. So we've got some fun stuff. There, you know, there's <laughs> oh man, like, there's some faces too. Like Bella Lugosi's gonna show up at some yes. point. Yes, is gonna show up at some point. Oh, around mm -hmm. hour eight, it's all gonna go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's gonna kind of lock in the reality of what yeah. of what you've agreed to. Yeah. 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 The Absolutely. stream is going to start and we're going to be like theater kids, a lot of energy, a lot of bubbly. And by hour 12, we'll be like you know, <sighs> computer science kids, just like, you know, hunched over, faces drained <laughs> of energy. Yeah. Um, Reflecting on just all of the mistakes that led us here. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, my gosh. Just, it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to just kind of, as a note to our listeners to kind of end off on, uh, what do you think folks who are watching can look forward to from the event and what are you as hosts most looking forward to about it it's a good question um i think it depends on what an audience member is looking for i think if you're any kind of film buff or movie nerd or have any interest in cinema there's a curiosity about the the lower end of the spectrum when it comes to quality but it can also be trepidatious to just throw yourself into watching bad movies especially by yourself so this will give a window into like you get to uh, you get a glimpse of those bad films, but it's um, you're not watching it alone. There's a communal aspect to it that'll make it more fun, and you get to also do it through us. So there's there's more going on than just you know these really otherwise potentially painful films. Um, and then I think what we're looking forward to is frankly just seeing the films themselves because we though we've curated this list and we know kind of what we're seeing, we've never watched any of these films in full. Okay. So, for us, it's exciting too. Is like, well, let's let's see where this goes, you know, and what are we gonna, um, what are we gonna find? I'm I'm genuinely, as much as I'm joking about, and we're both joking about these movies being really bad. I am hopeful there's gonna be a couple of genuinely entertaining yeah. gems. There's in there. like three that I have really <laughs> high hopes. Yeah. Listeners, the Screening Room 24-Hour Trash Cinema Telethon runs from 11 a.m. to 11 a.m. from June 10th to 11th on YouTube, where you can hang out with Jordan and Dan, watch some B-list movies, and support our local independent cinema. Visit ScreeningRoomKingston.com for more details and full showtimes. And thank you both again. Thank you. Yeah, this was wonderful. Thank you. Of course. So happy to have you here.
That does it for us on another week of the Kingston Curator, but remember that you can check out this and all past episodes on our CFRC podcast feed. Be sure to tune in next week, Fridays at 3pm, for your creative scoop. This is Lauren Tucker with Mary McKetty signing off on 101.9 FM CFRC. Have a fantastic weekend.